people. Let us magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together because the Lord is worthy to be praised. We want to welcome you to the Tabernacle of Praise worship uh, service today. And we want you to share this page with somebody because we trust that today will truly be a blessing to you. We just thank God that you're worshiping with us today. And today we just want to recognize all of the mothers. We are just celebrating the mothers today on this Mother's Day weekend. And so I have a little poem here. It said, God took the pieces of everything wonderful and placed them inside a mother. God took the fragrance of a flower, the, the majesty of a tree, the gentleness of the morning dew, the calm of a quiet sea, the beauty of a twilight hour, the soul of a starry night, the laughter of a rippling brook, the grace of a bird in flight. When God finished his masterpiece, and it was all through. It was a creation like no other. And that's why we call them mother. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And we love you and we appreciate you. And we salute you today. Now we are in some serious times. And the Bible says that we need to pray as we see the day approaching. We need to pray more. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name would simply humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, then will I hear from heaven. I will heal their land and forgive their sins. We need healing now from the sin sick soul. So today I've asked my wife, Teresa Harris, to take us to the throne of grace in prayer. Good morning, top family and friends. It is a blessing to be with you this morning on this beautiful Sabbath morning. And I pray that you are blessed as well today. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we humbly approach your throne, thanking you, O oh God, that you chose to breathe into us the breath of life this morning. We recognize you as our God. We recognize Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. And we are so thankful and grateful as we lift you up, O oh God. We glorify your name. We magnify you and we bless your name this morning. We ask you, O oh God, that as we lift you up, that you will uh, draw us all to you as you have promised in your word. We thank you, O oh God, that you sit high, but you look low, oh God, that you dwell with us, Father, and that you are touched by the feelings of our infirmities. We know, Lord, that we delight uh, in you, that you will give us the desires of our hearts, oh God. But we ask, Lord, this morning for forgiveness, oh God, for our sins, our shortcomings. Father, we ask that you will uh, cleanse us from all all unrighteousness, that you will create in us clean hearts, O oh God, and that you will renew your right spirit within us. Father, we ask um, 
that you will place within us, Father, a desire to serve you, Father, a desire to do thy will. Oh, God, a desire, Father, to walk uprightly before you. Oh, God, we know that we we choose to uh, place bolts and we place locks on our doors of our homes. Oh, God, we we put in alarm systems, Father, to protect us against uh, human intruders, Father. But we leave our lives. We leave our hearts. We leave our minds and our souls wide open, Father, to the invasion of the enemy of our souls. Oh, God, so this morning, as we surrender all to you, Father, as we uh, just lay ourselves wide open uh, to you, oh, God, we ask, Lord, that you will place a hedge about each and every one of us. Father, that you will place that, um, that hedge that will keep the enemy from intruding in our lives, oh, God. We intercede on behalf of our families, Father. We lift them up, God, knowing that um, they may not be walking uprightly before you, knowing that we all fall short of your glory, O oh God. But we ask, Lord, that you will intervene in each and every life, each and every heart, O oh God, that you will send laborers across, across their path, Father, that may speak a word in season for you, Father, that will uh, penetrate to the deepest recesses of their hearts and their minds, Father, that they may turn around and say, what must we do to be saved? Father, we want to be on one accord with you. We want to walk uprightly before you. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that you forgive our, our uh, apathetic situations that we find ourselves in, Father, when we so willingly just uh, follow the ways of the world, oh God. We ask that you will put place in us that desire, Father, to uh, let you direct our footsteps each and every, every day. And, Father as you have given your mighty angels command over the winds, oh God. We ask that you will continue to command them to hold those winds, that they may not blow on the earth, oh God. Through this horrible pandemic, Father, that we are facing, Father, we know people are suffering. We know lives have been touched, oh God. We know that families have lost loved ones. So Father, we ask, Father, that you intervene on our behalf, God, and that you hold back those winds, oh God, that you will cause them not to blow, Father, so that we will have more time, Father, to get into this world, Father, and give your message, to give the gospel to those that dwell on this earth, oh God. We ask, Lord, that those who are affected and infected with this virus, oh God, we ask that you will breathe into them their lungs, oh God, that you will inflate their lungs, Father, that you will uh, help them, Father, to, to, to be able to overcome this infection, Father God, and that those who you choose to lay to, to rest, Father, we ask that you will grant their families comfort. You will grant them peace, oh God, that they will come to know you better through this whole situation. And Father, we lift up the speaker of the hour, Pastor Tatum. Barnes to you, Father. We ask, Lord, that you will hide her behind the cross. Yes. Father, we ask that you will speak words of life, yes. that they will penetrate our hearts, O oh God, that we may be changed this day, that the words that we hear, Father, will cause such a, an indelible impression upon us, Father, that our hearts and our lives will be 
in harmony with you from this day forth. And we give you all praise. We give you all honor and we give you all glory because we know that you are worthy to be praised. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church family. Good morning, church family. This is Elder Carroll with the stewardship message for you. Uh, we want to remember that stewardship is God giving us our time, talent, temple, and treasure for his service. And we want to thank him for that. This morning, we're going to do a stewardship skit, my wife, Lakita, and I, of a Christian who's praying and talking to the Lord. So right now, we're going to our skit. Please listen so that you can understand the stewardship message. Oh, Lord, it's just so much going on with this COVID-19, the killer hornets happening, the snowstorms in May. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Do you, do you really mean that? Of course I mean that. Look at how terrible things are. It's just so much happening. Are you ready for me to come? I mean... I barely know you. How can you love me? You know me. I attend church. But you don't spend time talking and listening to me. When you do talk to me, it's a one-way conversation. You never listen to me. You don't know me because you barely study my word. I want you to know me. There's so much I want to say to you, but you're so unavailable most of the time. Yeah, I am busy. I just work a lot. You do work a lot because you're using my talents to take care of yourself. But if you would take my yoke upon you and carry my burden, you'll find that your life will be so much easier. But I have to work hard to get ahead. Using talents that I gave you in my vineyard increases them because you make yourself available to my help and wisdom. And your work becomes so much easier. Hmm. I didn't think about it that way. My child, you're taking care of yourself while starving my work. It will only lead to sickness and frustration. I never meant for you to slave or let my talents overtake your life. I intended for you to use those talents to help others and add joy to your life. Well, you know, I just, I just don't have time for all that church stuff. It's not the church stuff. It's my work. Working like you are working for mammon injures the body. Think about what you're eating because you don't have time to cook. I hate to see you driven so hard. Although you're exhausted, you can't sleep. You don't have the willpower to exercise. You're in constant pain. You don't even feel the pain anymore. I know. I'll do better, though. Wrong. That's the wrong answer. The correct answer is I can't do it by myself. Help me, Holy Spirit. I stand here waiting. Your guardian angels want something to do. Jesus wants to judge you well, and the Father wants to see Jesus' righteousness when he glances your way. All of heaven is interested in you and your well-being, but you are not interested in us. Let us help you. I would do more. just don't have time for all that. I'm trying to use my talents to make money to pay all these bills. Yes, I know. Here is another area that you are taking care of yourself and leaving us out. 
What have you done for others lately? I'm trying to get somebody to do something for me. I know, but you don't get it. You have the great God of the universe as your source of riches, but you limit yourself to only what that job can do for you. Yeah, I can barely pay rent, though. So true. Remember how it was when you first got your job? You praised me verbally, openly, and with a pure heart. Yeah, everything was paid for. I remember I got three promotions in 18 months. You were returning tithes and an honest offering. I loved blessing you. Hearing your sincere presence at church, hearing your prayers of thanksgiving, watching you serve others, I showed you the best deals and best ways to go. And together we achieved so much. Man, I miss those days. I do too. And they aren't gone forever. As long as you have breath in you, you can whisper that small little prayer. It can turn everything around. I miss you and want to intimately know you. Just one simple prayer. Help me, Lord. Church family, please remember that stewardship is all about trusting in God and not in ourselves to learn to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding in all of our ways to acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. So this time while we're going through this crisis uh, pandemic, remember that God is still on the throne. He has not abdicated the throne and we have him to trust in, trust in the Lord and believe in his word, so shall you be established. Also remember being faithful in tithe and offering is part of our duty as church family. Want to remember that you can put your donation or you can put in your tithe and offering on the cash app. Go to cash app, dollar sign, T-O-P giving, T-O-P-G-I-V-I-N-G. You can also go to adventistgiving.org and look up Tabernacle of Praise on the site. And then finally, if you need to, you can mail your, don- your donation and your tithe in to our church treasurer. So thank you, church family. Let's have a quick prayer for our tithe and offering. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of drawing closer to you during this tough time. We ask and pray that we'll continue to be faithful in tithe and in offering that your work may go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that stewardship nugget. Our speaker today is no stranger to most of us, but to those who may not know her, She's a person who we say was raised right, who was raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And she decided to give her life to the Lord, to the service of the Lord. And she went to Oakwood College, received her Bachelor of Arts degree in theology and theological studies, and then received her her master's degree at uh, Andrews University. Amen. And she had to learn the Greek and the Hebrew so she can rightly divide the word of the truth. And she is presently the associate pastor at the Northside Seventh-day Adventist Church here in St. Louis, Missouri. And we appreciate her love and dedication for the Lord as a young person, using her influence to, to inspire men and women to come to Christ. So we know that today is truly going to be a blessing. So prepare your hearts to receive the word. And our special music today will be given uh, by Sister Beverly Stewart Anderson. And the next voice you will hear will be that of Pastor Tatum Fowler Barnes. Praise the Lord.
shall behold him. The sky shall unfold. Preparing his entrance. The stars shall
Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, church family. Um, it's really great <laughs> to be here um, through Zoom this morning. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I've never done this before, so this is fun um, and a new experience for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, 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 really honored by uh, the opportunity. I'm excited that tomorrow is Mother's Day. I mean, I'm not a mother, but I have mothers. Um, and so I appreciate um, all of the mothers that are listening this morning. And hopefully this uh, word this morning will encourage you as a woman um, and will uh, press you forward towards what God has called you to do. Um, so let's pray. God of grace, we are just so grateful for your strength and your peace and your covering and your love and everything that you do for us. Um, the way that you take our stories and you rewrite them, the way that you challenge us, the way that you push us, the way that you encourage us. Um, Divine One, we are so pleased and so grateful and so honored by just the opportunity to be in your presence to be in your space. And so we thank you. We ask that you would give us a word today, that you would speak to our hearts, each person, male, woman, uh, boy, girl, um, whatever, it, whoever is listening today, I just pray that, uh, that, that, that something will be heard that is transformative. And so we just give you honor and glory. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's jump into it. My text today is in Judges, um, Judges 4. Why? Because Judges 4, Judges 4 and 5 hold uh, the, the, the place marker and the story of this woman that I love so much, probably one of my favorite women in the Bible, um, and it is Deborah. If you have not read Judges, one, uh, Judges at all in its entirety, but if you have not specifically read Judges 4 and 5, I would encourage you to read it and read it deeply. Like, don't just skim it, right? It's not one of those things that you can just skim, but read it deeply. Go online, Google some commentary, get just dive right into it um, because it's one of my favorites. So, um, over uh, under the the basis, like of that, on the basis of that particular story, I, I was thinking of how often it is when you hear a story about someone um, that you wonder if it's true or not. So like, you know, like those, girl, did you hear? Or, bruh, let me tell you. You know, like those stories that people share with you about somebody else. You know, like how often do we think that those stories are true? How often do we believe those stories without doing any type of fact checking, any type of anything. We just believe those stories and about people, the narratives, like, you know, narratives don't just come from other people telling you about somebody. They also come from the, the perspective and the stories that you have in your own mind. So like, let's say you're walking through the sanctuary or you're walking through Walmart and you see somebody, you know, that person looks at you, or so you think they look at you, you catch eyes, and then 
they walk right past you. And you start to tell yourself the story. You start to create this entire narrative like, oh, that person is staying. <laughs> that person is stuck up. They do not. I don't even know why I'm friends with this person. I can't believe they just walked past me not knowing that the person didn't really see you. I am a victim <laughs> of that type of judgment. I am the person that I can stare at you, but if I am in like a store, I have tunnel vision. Like I don't even know other people exist sometimes when I'm walking through Target. I hate Walmart, but when I'm walking through Target, I don't even like if I have a mission, I know I'm going in to get certain groceries because I really don't like shopping. I intentionally will like just tunnel in. And you could be my cousin, you know, you could be my best friend. And if we don't, if I don't actually speak to you. I might not have even, I might've been looking right through you. You might've been just invisible to me. But on the other end, the other person who sees me is like, I can't believe she didn't even speak to me. So you create these narratives, not just from other people telling you about somebody, but sometimes we create these stories about who someone is, you know, what they believe, what they think, how they operate based on interactions or how we perceive interactions with that person. But even going a step further, we don't just get stories told to us from other people. We don't just make up stories in our head, but we also have a tendency of digesting stories from other people, from other cultures, from, from media, from, um, from the world that we live in. You know, many, many stories were said about Middle Eastern people after 9-11. Many people had narratives about who they were. Other people have narratives about Native Americans. Other people have narratives about people within the LGBTQ community. There are narratives that we get that get pushed on us that we sometimes digest, like the idea of what beauty is or what it means to be healthy and fit or what it means to have love and intimacy or what it means to, to be to have gender. Like these ideas these stories and these narratives, we don't just create, people don't just tell us and our friend groups, but also the world around us creates story because that's how our brains learn. That's how we understand through story. So, so much of what we believe, no matter how much we don't want this to be true, no, so much of what we believe is based on stories, things that we've seen, things that we've heard, and then stories that we've developed ourselves. And whether they're true or not, they become a part of us. So with that said, I'm going to take you to a story that might be common to some of you and might be unfamiliar to others. But we're going to walk through it together because um, in Judges 4 and 5, we see this story about Deborah. And I felt like it was fitting in light of Mother's Day tomorrow that we be drawn to and we dissect um, this strong queen mother known as Deborah. Um, so the text I'm going to be using, I'm going to kind of hopscotch around a little bit. I'm going to be reading from Judges 4. Judges 4, so if you have your Bible or you're getting your, your Bible app together or whatever, however you use it, I'm going to give you a second. But Judges 4, um, verse 4 through 10, then we're going to skip down to 14 and 16, and then we're going to finale with verse 23 and 24. Again, that's Judges 4, verses 4 through 10, hopscotching over to verse 14 through 16, and then we're going to finale at verses 23 through 24. 
So what I'm going to do right now, hopefully it works, is I am going to, I am going to, do if I can get it right. Um, yes, I am going to share my screen with you all and hopefully it works. <laughs> um, so because I just felt like it was easier for us to kind of look at. So hopefully you can see my screen right now. These are my notes, um, my sermon notes. So if ever you wanted to know what it looks like to be a pastor on the other side, it um, it looks like this. Just a bunch of notes and subtitles and headings and things like that. So I decided to copy the text into my notes um, this morning and... We're going to make that a little bigger. So I decided to copy the, the text into my notes. So I'm going to read it for you, but you can also follow on, along on your screen. Hopefully you can see it um, and follow with me. If not, you can follow in your Bible. So it says, starting off, it says, now, Deborah, um, based on my interpretation, I have put in parentheses um, after I did my own exegetical study and word um and, and dissected it myself. This is this is what I've come up with. Um, so now, Deborah, a fiery woman who was a prophet, uh, leading Israel at the at that time, she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hills in the hill country of Ephraim, or Ephraim. And the Israelites went to her, went to her uh, to have their disputes decided. She went, she sent for Barak, son of Abnon, from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, the Lord, God of Israel commands you, go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them to Mount Tabor, lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army. I being Deborah will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his troops to the Keshon to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. And the Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you do not go, if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, Deborah said. But because of the course of action, uh, because of the course you are you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. The, there Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali and 10,000 men went under his command and Deborah, was, Deborah also went up with him. 14 and 16 say, 14 through 16 say, then Deborah said to Barak, go. This day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount went down Mount Tabor with ten thousand men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera. This is so cool how God just works. The Lord routed Sisera and all of his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army. As far as Hereseth Hegoim and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword, not a man was left. 
Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenanite, the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of the Heber, in the the Heber, the Kibbonite. Moving down to skipping into and finaling in verse twenty-three through twenty-four, it says, "On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan." Now I'm skipping part of the story, so you got to go back and read it and figure out how he how this battle was won. But it says, "On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites, and the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they were destroyed." So, why did I read that story to you? Let me give you some history about Deborah. Deborah led about 160 years after Joshua. She led, she led in a time where her nation cycled through a repetitive pattern of spiritual corruption, foreign oppression, and pleas for deliverance. I want to stop right there because that to me just sounds like the world that we live in. There's spiritual corruption, there's foreign oppression, and there are pleas for deliverance, especially in the midst of a pandemic where there's so much uncertainty, there's so many theories going around, there's so much that causes anxiety. Like imagine Deborah leading during this time. But she led a kingless people. So the people of Israel lived in a time of judges right now. They did not have a king to follow. So this is when she's leading. And this King Jabin and his army, his army stretched the trade and military military route connecting Africa, Europe, and Asia. So that means that thing was huge, right? It was a large force and formidable force. And he led, and he had been oppressing Israel for 20 years. Deborah, sitting some 70 miles from the point of actual conflict, knew that the people of God her people were in da danger of Jabin's army. So Jabin is pressing forward. He is oppressing certain groups and certain parts of her people, certain areas and territories, and he's constantly pressing forward towards him. Mind you, his, his, his army stretched the military and trade routes of Africa, Europe, and Asia. Just go and look at a chart and you can see how vast that is. So wisely, because Deborah was a little bit of a, a far way away from the actual point of conflict, wisely, she calls this guy named Barak, who actually lives in the region of conflict. He knows the people and he knows the terrain. She tells him he must gather an army and fight Jabin and his army because Yahweh commands it. But with, and without hesitation, Barak says, yeah, I'll go, but you have to come with me. You know, many scholars have said different things, but Barack's words in this moment to Deborah reflect his willingness to go. And at the same time, his respect for Deborah's role as prophet and judge to provide critical guidance when a field decision was needed. So it wasn't that he was cowering. It wasn't that it wasn't anything else other than the fact that he respected her enough that he said, listen, I'm going to go, but I need you to go because you connected, you know the Lord, right? You are our leader. You are our prophet. You are our judge. Even though earlier in the text, you see that she said she was going to come with him. He just was making sure that she was coming. And then she goes on to say, if I go, 
it's going to provide a curious challenge to you. Because if I go, Barack, you won't receive the glory for the victory, but the victory will go to another. It'll go to a woman and her name is Yael. And unmoved by any of that, not needing any of the glory and accolades in this particular battle, right? Not needing that, just knowing that the Lord is with him. He says, fine, as long as you're coming, I'm good. So a little bit of context. There were leaders before, there were judges before Deborah, right? You have judges like Ehud who assassinated an oppressive king. Um, in Judges 3. And then you have leaders that followed after her, like, I mean, many of us are familiar with this guy, Samson, who, despite his wandering eye and disconnected heart, eventually delivered the people through his death. So you have Deborah's kind of sandwiched in between certain other leaders, right? However, if you Google Deborah, you know, if you Google like Ehud or you know, and I say Google because, you know, you can use Google when you're studying the text, right? Um, if you Google Ehud or if you go Google Samson, you get these strong images, you get um, these mighty warriors, right? But if you Google Deborah, you are bombarded with different interpretations of Deborah's story, different people, excuse me, different people telling her or telling us about her. And many of the images and information out there is skewed. You might see cartoon images and drawings of a pale-skinned, long-haired, skinny brunette, right? Most times when you hear a Bible story, you're going to see probably a white woman, right? <laughs> like that's just how our culture has depicted biblical history. You might read other articles that place um, that place Deborah in a marriage with a man who may or may not have even existed. So you remember in parentheses, when I put fiery woman, I'm going to explain that a little bit more. But normally in your text, you'll see wife of, um, I forget his name, Lapidoth, I think is, is the name that you'll see when you read your text. Um, because so many scholars are offended by Deborah. They're so offended by Deborah that they use a non-existent marriage to provide reason for why a woman like her would speak up in the way that she did. How can, in order to justify her authority, in order to justify her courage, in order to justify her being led by God and being, um, later, on, later on I'm gonna show you how she is likened unto Moses. Um, but in order for her to be such a grand leader in the same lineage of Moses, she must be connected to a man. They said that she must be tethered to a man in order, the gar in order to garner the respect that she maintained. When, so like I said, where does this, why would I say that? Is because when, when you look at the word used in Judges 4.4, 4, um, this idea of this husband, this name, this is the wife of uh, Lapidoth, I think is his name. Um, to they, they use that in the actual term that could also be translated and derived from this particular word that they used to call use as a proper name could also be used for fiery. So the verse could also be rendered as Deborah, a fiery woman who was a prophetess, was judging Israel at that time. Her potential singleness should not have been offensive, but it should have encouraged, it should encourage 
and admonish every woman that the man you have or don't have had and don't want or never had and never wanted does not determine the, your value or your worth. Your value is beyond. Deborah was a strong, fiery woman and she stood as God's mouthpiece. She stood as God's mouthpiece and moral compass for all the people of Israel. And on top of all of that, as I alluded to earlier, Deborah is the only judge in the whole Bible, I mean, in the whole book of Judges that is likened unto Moses. Why do I say that? Because Deborah is actually Moses' successor. Like, this is crazy. When I read this, when I started reading Deborah for real, and I realized the correlation between her and Moses and the offices that they held, I was like, this is, this is serious. Because unlike leaders like Ehud or Samson, the text says, and you have to go back and read Judges, but take my word for it right now, uh, but I encourage you to go and read it. While in those stories with those leaders, Ehud and Samson, it, the text says were raised up for a certain time. Deborah was not raised up for a certain time. It says that she was the only one that led Israel and truly follows the model of Moses in the role of judge. Each individual leader that comes up in Judges comes up for a certain time. They're raised up. But Deborah just was. She was there. She was appointed, um, not for a certain time, but just not to do a certain thing, but to... Sorry, that was the alarm. <laughs> not to do a certain thing, but to um, not to do a certain thing, but to lead for a period of time. So why do I say that? So Deborah was like Moses, and I'm going to give you a bit of a, a breakdown here. Deborah, like Moses, was actually she actually works as judge, offering decisions for those who came to her. So if you listen, if you go back and read the text, it says that people would come to her and she would decide, you know, through their issues. She would she would work through their issues. Also, Deborah, like Moses, a prophet who speaks the word of God. She was also a prophet who spoke the word of God. Deborah, like Moses, Moses also ordered military action and inspired a fight. Deborah, like Moses, drove out chariots that are disabled. And by disabled by a sudden rush of water, like you remember, you'd have to go back and read her story and then also read the song of Deborah in, in Judges 5. But you will note that in, in Moses's story, it talks about chariots, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's chariots coming forth, and they were disabled by water. The same thing happens with Sisera's chariots. They were disabled by water as well and mud. And things like that. And then also, additionally, Moses had a song in Exodus 15, I believe it is. And then Deborah has a song in, in uh, Judges 5. So just like Moses, Deborah follows a certain pattern of prophet. Deborah, Deborah was a prophet. She was a judge. And she was a military leader. She stood in a male-coded She was uh, she stood in a male coded role as a woman. She wasn't she was unapologetic. She was who she was. She was this fiery woman and she stood in this role that was not designated for her. 
Deborah was not docile. She was not a docile wife submitted to the leadership of another, but she led and commanded armies of men into victory, into the victory of the Lord. She was a part of something bigger and she knew she was a part of someone bigger despite history's attempt to silence her story and strip her of her authority, Yahweh preserved her legacy. This is significant to me because when we, when as growing up, and I know many of you have, there is a tendency to, or have noticed, there is a tendency to silence or press down the voices of women in our culture. This is not just happening in our world right now, but it has happened over centuries. And for whatever reason, theories and scholars will, you know, pontificate on what those reasons may be. But Deborah's story was significant to me as a leader because Yahweh preserved her legacy. Even though scholars have said certain things about her or limited her authority, you can still see it's very evident within the text. And and Deborah didn't do anything but follow the follow the leading of God. There is, um, I want to quote a one of our culture's most influential feminist artists. It says um, in one of her songs, she says, "You are a part of something bigger, bigger than the picture they framed us to see. Not just a speck in the universe. You're a part. You're part of something bigger." something way bigger, and life is your birthright. So step out of your estimate and step into your essence and know that you are excellent. You are a part of something bigger. You are bigger than, now this is me, you are bigger than the church rhetoric that stifles your voice and tells you that your worth is an extension of your position. You are bigger than the authoritarian systems that have formed your repressed self-image. You are bigger than your fear of not being good enough while simultaneously feeling like you're too much. You're bigger than those small-minded entities who teach you to stay in your place. You are a part of something bigger, something that can handle your muchness, something that loves you deeply and completely, something that sees you. You are not just a part of something bigger. You are a part of someone bigger, bigger that values your melanin, someone that gives you a mind to think and a heart to feel, someone that is beyond and also within, someone that overflows with empathy when you are afraid and angry. You are not just a part of something bigger, but you are a part of someone bigger. Give yourself permission to have the curiosity of a child. Give yourself permission to explore the divine and what being a part of their legacy means for you. Give yourself and others room to learn and fail and grow. Each person's voice, self-expression, or exploration of the divine that you suppress is an act of spreading a, a tumor of oppression. Each one of us has a responsibility to break cycles and chains that have been placed on us by others. And just as we are responsible for setting the captives free, we are equally responsible for every word or act of hate we perpetuate against each other. 
Life and freedom are your birthright. And you are not just a part of something bigger. You are a part of someone bigger. The reason why I chose, the reason why I chose, sorry, the dog has run in. Um, the reason why I chose Deborah for a Women's Day topic is because Deborah communicates something, or it's not Women's Day, but as a Mother's Day topic, is because Deborah represents this queen mother of sorts um, in that she is leading in a role that was not designed for her, at least from a cultural cultural perspective. She has strength. She has compassion. She has focus. She has drive. She has empathy. She has love. She has everything that makes up many of the women that I that I know that are in this church that are outside in this world. She makes up. She is an example, a, a, a biblical example of you expressed and personified. And I chose her to talk to you about because no matter how strong she might be in the text, other people have put their own narratives on her. And many of us have adapted and accepted narratives that have been placed on us. But I wanted to encourage us today and encourage not just every woman, but every person on this call, um, every person listening right now that you are a part of something bigger you are a part of someone bigger and it's not just about it's not just about what you do but who you are is of value to the divine and the divine has called you beyond what you can even estimate for yourself what it what you can even see your story goes beyond because the divine has a legacy that they want to bring you a part of. And I just, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I don't know if you are, I hope that made sense this morning. Um, and I want us to move into prayer, but I am very grateful um, for Deborah's story because as a young leader, um, I have a shirt on that says lead right now, lead like a girl actually is what it says. Um, and as a young leader, there are many things that could potentially keep me and keep other young leaders from pursuing what God has called them to do. And Deborah says, Deborah's story tells me to press forward despite that. Um, Deborah's story gives value. Deborah's story reminds me that God is present in my life and in my journey. And God and Deborah's story reminds me that there that I can be strong and I don't have to quiet my strength because of someone else's insecurity. So I'm super excited about that. So let's pray. Uh, God of grace, we are just thankful for the word that has gone forth today. I pray that it was um, encouraging. I pray for each woman that is represented in this space, um, each family that is represented. And I just ask that you would um, that you would cover them, that you would that you would press them past their fears and pa past their anxiety. I pray, Lord, that you would um, that you would uh, make your presence felt to every mother, God, that they would uh, feel celebrated not just by their families today and tomorrow, but they would also feel celebrated by the divine. 
um, by the Trinity. And we just will give you all the honor for that. We pray um, just an enriching in our lives. And we ask that you would do exactly as you've promised in each and every one of our lives. And we will give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Pastor, for that powerful message. God uses everybody. Praise the Lord. Just encouraging not just the women, but even the men. Don't ever count yourself short for anything because God takes the willing. If you're willing to be used by God, God can use you in mighty ways. Thank you so much. And saints of God, I want you to hold on to that during this week. Amen. Especially in this society. We want you to just press on and just keep your hand in God's unchanging hand. We know that uh, this evening at 2.30, our training for discipleship class led out by Elder Carroll at 2.30 on the Zoom line and the prayer line. And also on Tuesday, we have our, we don't want to call it seniors prayer line, but just those that need prayer. Tuesdays, uh, Sister Elaine Stewart leads that out. That's, that number is 712-775-7031. That's the, that's the prayer line on Tuesday to get you to hump day, to get you for, to the Wednesday prayer meeting, which is going to start at 7 o'clock. Wednesday prayer meeting. We want you all to all tune in for the Wednesday prayer meeting. And tomorrow, we, uh, Sister uh, Karen Lewis, uh, has started the Sunday group chat. So if you just feel as you're sheltering in place that you're isolated and you can get online and just uh, have a group chat just to connect on a social level with everybody, uh, that's at three o'clock and she'll send that, that number out. So once again, we just want to encourage you just to be faithful and just keep God in the forefront of your mind. This time, we just want to pray. Father God, we're so thankful, Lord, for the message that we heard, Lord, today. We pray that it will burn deep in our hearts and leave an indelible impression upon our minds that we will be faithful to you to listen to your voice, Lord, and know that you can use us if we're willing, Lord, to spread the good news of salvation to a dying world. Now, bless us and keep us through the remainder of these holy sacred hours. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. See you later.